0: that is www.worldovercomers.church/podcast enjoy the message
1: we all said together amen you may be seated in the name of the lord favor in your dna If I could draw your attention to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, I hope that these passages are familiar to you. I trust and hope and pray and believe. And if not, that's all right. I'm going to make it familiar to you right now that Galatians 3, 13 and 14 are passages that you've heard before and that you're familiar with them because they're powerful. Galatians 3, 13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law By becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree my opening concept to communicate to you this morning that's good news is the curse is broken tell somebody the curse is broken, the curse is broken at your house, tell somebody the curse is broken touch that seat next to you and tell them the curse is broken, the curse is broken I don't know if there's almost any better news I can give you than the idea that the curse is broken, even the idea of generational curses, they're broken, I know there's been a whole lot of talk and books written on generational curses, but thanks be to God, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, I know that many of us who are raised holiness were taught that there is a curse connected to disobedience and a curse connected to doing wrong and a curse connected to unrighteousness and absolutely just by the scriptures there is a curse connected to stuff that's not right but thanks be to god that galatians 3:13 says that christ has actually redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written "Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree right off from the start just want to begin just by trying to clarify i don't want to spend too much time on it because i have a lot to say this morning but let me just say it to you in the room and everyone around the world the curse is broken the curse is broken now i know that there's a part of our human desire that in our drive to make sense of chaotic stuff we want to make it about a curse you go outside you look up in the sky you see the cloud your brain wants to make sense of the thing that it can't make sense of so it looks at a cloud and says oh that looks like a truck or oh that looks like a a dog a, a dog oh that looks like a horse because your brain is always trying to take chaotic abstract pictures and make some sense of it same is true in life something about our minds that wants to make sense of things that often are inexplicable and what we did in the church world is we just got off easy instead of saying I don't know why we just decided to label it curse and connected it to sin and connected it to wrongdoing. And we ignored Galatians chapter three, which is a truth that says that the curse is broken. I was talking to a young man who's in the church and faithful and serves an awesome, great guy and he, and him and I were having a conversation. He wanted to ask me a question. I said okay, what's the question? And he told me, so funny, a baby dedication him and his wife trying to have a child and, and so his wife conceived and they were excited about it and in his joy to just celebrate it, he went out and hung out with some friends and he was just having a good time with them and just, just celebrating the fact that his wife had conceived a child and then so, you know, something got lit and something started getting passing on the left hand side and puff puff give and, and and he somehow he found himself in a rotation I know y'all don't know even what I'm talking about but somehow he found himself in a rotation and the puff to give and the puff to give and the puff to give and normally because he's all in, saved in church and everything he would just pass it on along because he's with them but he's trying not but on this particular moment he was happy and when it passed to him in a rotation he puffed puffed and gave it and gave it to the next person and about a week later his ch- his wife lost the baby so his question to me is did he lose the baby because he puffed puffed and gave and I said son wait a minute I'm sorry that your wife lost the baby and we can't explain stuff like that we can't explain how people who should have children have ch- can't have them. Good God. We can't explain how folk are trying to have a child and having a hard time having one. And folk who are trying not to have one got one right now. Can't get no amens in here. Stuff like that that we can't explain. And instead of just saying, I don't know why that happened. No, we raised people in a condemnation, fear-based, wrong-based, this is why, and so he has come to the conclusion that Puff Puff Given killed his unborn child. It is a lie. I'm going to make everybody clap for it. It's a lie. If you've been taught that, let me correct that for you. If perfection is required for your blessing, if Puff Puffin killed babies, then there's a whole lot of us in here wouldn't even be here. I need an amen on that. If Puff, I'm so sorry. I wish it was that simple. I said the Bible says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He redeemed us so that he he redeemed us from the curse. So if there was a curse i suppose connected to that then i believe me that ain't what caused it. Because you've been redeemed from the curse. <laughs> I'm just feeling the Holy Ghost in this moment. I hear because this is a part of the reason, beloved, why younger generations and young folk, they want to nothing to do with the church because we we just make we have a math that does, just doesn't make sense. That's not explainable. Everything can't be pointed to a cause. Christ has redeemed us. I said son Christ has redeemed you. He said uh, alright I could tell that he understood redemption but he didn't really understand redemption and I'd, there's a story that I've never told that I'm going to tell now. I wish I had told him this story but I didn't tell him this story. Let me tell you all this story real quick and then I'm going to move on and say what else the Lord would have me to say. I told him when I was a young man probably about 10 maybe 9 or 10 years old I was young. I was with some of my friends, and we were in a store, and they were getting stuff, and I didn't have any money to get anything, and I was hungry, and I liked this thing called an iced honey bun. I don't know if you've ever had an iced honey bun. I'm not talking about a honey bun. I'm talking about an iced honey bun. You understand? It's got this icing on it that's just anointed, and so I was 10, and I was hungry. I didn't have any money, and my friends was getting stuff, and I took an iced honey bun, slipped it in my pocket and basically stole an iced honey bun, put it in my pocket and then when they were, acted like I bought it, I stole it we're outside, everybody's eating and we're eating a honey bun that was on a Saturday, on Sunday I went to church oh Lord and it just so happened that the message was on stealing and then I started to feel all kinds of guilty and somebody told a story about how they stole something and they returned it and they they took it back and I went to the altar so I wouldn't bust head wide open Uh, but the problem was that the honey bun was already eaten and digested and probably was flushed Uh, and I just did not know what to do and I was upset and I was down and I was sad and I felt like I'm going to hell and and I was scared and I was scared to go to sleep and I wasn't sleeping that way And I was all convicted and feeling all terrible and my dad came me on like Tuesday and said what is wrong with you? You've been upset these last couple days and I just said to him you know dad I was with my friends and I wanted a honey bun and I and I I stole one and I ate it and I heard the story about returning it but I can't return it and I ate it and now God's going to be mad at me and I'm not going to get my blessings and and I can't sleep because I ate this honey bun and my dad said I hear you son All right, tell you what Let's get in the car. We got in the car. He said, Where is the store? We drove down to the store. When we drove to the store, we got out the car and we went inside. He said, Stand there. I stood there. He went up to the man and said, My son took a honey bun from you and what I'm going to do is pay for it. So he gave the man the money for the honey bun and then turned to me and said, see, your guilt is gone because your honey bun is no longer stolen. It is now purchased. I'm sorry. I thought I was going to get a whole lot better response than that because there is stuff that you have done that you cannot take back. I need a witness in here. There is stuff that you have done that if God is counting faults up in here, you are doomed. But Christ went into the store and paid for your honey bun. And now Christ has redeemed you from whatever curse. Somebody praise God. You are redeemed from the curse. He paid the price with his blood. You ain't got to worry about what you did. You ain't got to worry about what happened when you were 18. You ain't got to worry about what you did when you were 17. You ain't got to worry about what you did two years ago. It's all right. Christ has redeemed you. From the curse praise God because you're redeemed come on praise God because you're redeemed if you're home praise God you're redeemed now verse 14 because I'm let me get into what the Lord want me to say he want me to say that but let me tell you this verse 14 he says he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of of the spirit. He redeemed us just like the reason why my father redeemed me. He didn't redeem me because it was just so wrong to eat the honey bun. And to take a honey bun it was 50 cents it was 25 back then when i was 10 it was 25 cents this is back when stuff didn't cost a million dollars this is back when you could go to the penny candy store let me let me let me need. so he didn't just do that just because it was so wrong to steal a honey bun he did that because he's my father I am his son, and he needs me to get over what I have done because there's a blessing that he has for me. And if I don't get over my faults, I won't ever be able to believe that the blessing really belongs to me. So Christ redeemed you. In order that the blessing of Abraham may be something that you actually believe you can have. Because the thing about guilt and condemnation and feeling bad about the mistakes you made and who you hurt and what you did and you had this and you did this and this one happened and you got this thing and you got that done is that it has a way of blocking you from believing that God can do great for you. You'll be right on the verge of believing God for something great. And then the enemy will remind you of something that you did when you were 21. Or remind you of something you did when you were 18. Or reminded you of something you did when you was 32. Or remind you of something. And even though you ask God to forgive you, and the Bible says that he casts your sin into a sea of forgetfulness and remembers them no more. But the problem is that we still remember. And one of the things that I try to do, can I encourage you this morning, I'm going to move on. Can I encourage you not to remind God about stuff he done forgot? We're looking at God telling him he can't bless us. And the Lord is saying, well, what is it that I can't bless you? What is it that's stopping you? And we're remembering something that he has forgotten. And so uh, a part of the reason why he said, well, I paid the price and you're redeemed is he redeemed us because we have an inheritance. Well, Galatians 3, 7 says, understand that those who have faith, children of Abraham... Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will bless through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So if you have faith in here, I have faith, you have faith. You are the seed of Abraham. Abraham's inheritance belongs to you by faith. When God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless everybody through you. What he meant was, I'm going to make you the father of faith. Meaning that after this, anybody who has faith will be able to claim inheritance and connection to you, Abraham. So a part of the reason why he redeemed us. Is he redeemed us so that we would not disqualify our own selves by our guilt, by our fear, by our condemnation from the inheritance that we have from Abraham. Now. I'm pretty sure Abraham is a figure that you are familiar with. I've been doing this series on Sunday school. But in case you have been misinformed, let me just let you know, Abraham is somebody that you want his inheritance. I don't know if you've ever sat around wishing and hoping and praying that you will find out that somehow you are related to somebody that's really got something. Well, you have found out this morning. We have done a DNA test on you. We took you on the Maury Povich show and we are telling you that Abraham is your father. Abraham got babies all over the place. Abraham got so many children, he don't know what to do. Abraham got babies all over the world because all you have to do is to decide, I believe God. All you have to do is decide, I have faith in God. All you have to do is say, you know what? God can do anything but fail. All you have to do is say, you know what? Let's pray about that because I believe that if I pray, God hears me. And I believe if I say in Jesus' name, something will take place. You know what? Let's go down to church. You know what? Let's turn the phone on, turn the movie room on and let's look at that crazy guy always talking about faith and let's believe God and you know what God will credit it to us as righteousness (laughs) meaning that God likes faith so much that it's okay if you ain't perfect and I'm so glad all the imperfect people like me in church, that, that all the imperfect people like me are glad about that because Christ the Lord sees faith and does an exchange of faith for righteousness. He counts it as righteousness. So that even if you mess up, even if you blow it, the Lord will be like, yeah, but that faith, I like that faith, though. I still want to be with you, though. Even though you have done wrong and even though you haven't always said the right stuff and even though you ain't always been at the right places and even though you ain't always done all the right things. But you know what, though? There's something about your faith. There's something about you believing in me that I like. I like you and I'm going to give you righteousness for faith. If you are a believer in here, if you believe God, then if you have faith, then you have access to Abraham's inheritance. You are Abraham's seed. Now, last Sunday I said it, I'm going to say it again. Abraham wasn't a preacher. Abraham wasn't a prophet. Abraham wasn't some anointed lead. Abraham wasn't a Levite. Abraham was a businessman. Abraham was somebody that did business. One of the mistakes that we've made in the church is everybody is just trying to jam up in the pulpit because we have a tendency to only glorify pulpit anointing. And we don't take the time to acknowledge that if you do well in business, that means That there is a favor on you to do well in business. If you do well in a field, there must be favor on you to do well in that field, in that area. It's not just anointing for church. Matter of fact, just to prove the point, God made the guy that was the father of faith not be Elijah. Elijah. Not be Isaiah. Not be one of the prophets. God made the guy that was the father of faith to be a guy that was about business. Just so that no one will get it twisted and think that God is only about the clergy. legacy is not just faith, but it's faith for business. And we started to talk about that. It's an inheritance. Now, there's two ways to see the word inheritance. And this may sound simple to you, but I want to explain it real quickly so we're all on the same page. Two ways to see an inheritance. The first way to see an inheritance is to inherit things. Inherit things. Things. This past week, I found out, counted a couple of weeks ago, that my great-grandfather on my mom's side, the Winstons, my great-grandfather on my mother's side owned some land in Virginia that I didn't know about. So I drove down to Virginia and hacked through into this land and found this 11 acres that my great-grandfather owned purchased in 1902 How he bought this land in 1902 40 years After the Emancipation Proclamation, we're talking about the son or grandson of slaves at best was able to purchase land in 1902. That means that this land has been in my family for 120 years and I did not know about it. And he bought the land for hunting. And he was a hunter. And his son, my grandfather, was a hunter. And his son, my uncle, was not a hunter. The hunting ability skipped the generation. And my mama has eight children, and there's only one dude in the whole family who moved to North Carolina and got trucks and chainsaws and guns and, and machetes and four wheelers and who is a hunter and I didn't even realize that God brought me here to be with you country people and hang out with you Garland and your country self for you to be my hunting pastor because he was trying to give me some abilities for an inheritance that I had Oh my God That I didn't even know I had And everybody else in the family Don't even care about the land But the land is valuable to me Because the land is really just good for hunting And I'm the only one That's the hunter You know what I'm believing God That there's an inheritance for you That is so specifically made for you And the process that you've been through Is making you ready For what God has for you Can I get a witness in here? I preached a message, I don't know, a year ago or so, called Paternity, Patriarchy, and Property. (laughs) And I got some flack for it. I actually got some flack for it because the word patriarchy is a kind of word and people feel misogynistic. And I, I hear that, but you know what? You really only feel that way if... Didn't nobody ever leave you nothing. Only people who really feel that way are haters who ain't nobody, never left them nothing. But when you walk through land worth money that you could not afford, that your great-grandfather paid $50 for, you are excited about the fact that there was some paternity and some patriarchy and it turned into property. Because paternity and patriarchy without property is a problem. You will put up with your mama way better if she got something to leave you. Wish I had a witness in the building. For all of you that don't talk to your mama no more and don't talk to your daddy no more, it's cause he's broke. But if he had an inheritance for you, you would get over your feelings and you would figure out a way to still go to the cookout. Can't get cut out the wheel. It's not just about being popular, it's about having property. I know you think I'm just so amazing. I'm just so wonderful. Maybe you don't. And I'm just such an amazing father. I'm a pretty good father, but I got my sons in here. They'll tell you some stories about me that aren't necessarily so great. Well, I just had a great conversation with my sons, and I told them I'm so glad we're doing so well. They're doing so well, and we just kind of hugged and gave, and made up, and I apologize for them to cuss for cussing them out, and they apologized to me for making me cuss them out, and, I, and we just got, and we're just so happy together and just so wonderful, and it's all just so good I realized in that moment my boys are smart because not only are they ready to make up with me just because I'm their father but you know what I'm trying to leave an inheritance for my children's children's children and there's forgiveness when there's an inheritance oh I wish I had a witness in the building there is a forgiveness when there's something in it for you we have an inheritance from Abraham but we can't really inherit his things. I found out I've got this land that my great-great-grandfather purchased that now I can inherit. it. I went down there and showed my license and the deed and went down to the thing. And they gave me a picture of the thing. And I hacked my way in there and found the land. And, and, I, and it's mine by inheritance. And so I have something I didn't purchase. I had something I did not buy. It's a great blessing. But when it comes to Abraham, you can't inherit his stuff. Y'all, if you live here, you live in North Carolina. If you're watching, you live in Ghana, you live in Australia, you live in New York, you live in Boston, you live wherever you live. You're not in Israel. So you can't make a claim on his land. It's not his things that you get to inherit. But that's okay because the second thing that has to do with inheritance that we are way more familiar with is you inherit traits. You inherit traits, qualities. You look in the mirror and you see your mama. You look in the mirror and you see your daddy. You can only be but so mad at him because you're looking at his face every day. You might as well forgive him so you can forgive yourself because you look just like him. You inherit qualities. You inherit traits from your people I did the Ancestry.com thing I don't know if you've done that but I sent away for the kit they sent it to me and you spit in these tubes or whatever and you send it off now I had heard that my family was Native Americans that's what I had heard and that the reason why I looked like this and all of that was because it was all this Native American and all of this Indian in my blood and Blackfeet tribe and this tribe and that tribe and so that was a part of the reason why I sent away for the kit because I was thinking to myself maybe there's some Indian down in here, and I can get me one of these casinos. Matter of fact, I might put one on Victory Park. Anyway, anyway. and so that, that's part of the reason why I did the Ancestry.com because I just heard up and down that it was all this Indian in here. So I thought, woo, man, I'm the Akawakamaka tribe, and I want to figure out what their tribe can get. You ain't got to say amen, but it's okay, it's me. And so I was thinking, ooh, maybe I'll put (laughs) out And we'll we'll put a casino over there and y'all can see the AAU games and bet on them. So anyway, I thought to myself, that's what I could find out. So I did the thing, spit in the cup, sent it off, got my, my ancestry stuff came back to me. Oh, I couldn't wait to open up the paper. I found out that I was, 45% 45% when I was the most, 45%, you ready? Nigerian. I mean, I had my royal headdress ready. I was ready to be all this Indian and found out I was 45% Nigerian.
0: If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible.
1: Forgive me, all of my Ghanaian who wanted me to be Ghanaian so bad. I'm 45% Nigerian. So if that explains it, that's why you want the biggest stuff, because them Nigerians are this, and them Nigerians are that. That's exactly right. I'm 45% Nigerian, and that's why I want the biggest, baddest, most bubbly stuff. (laughs) If there's a trait that has to do with blessing, if there's a trait that has to do with more, if there's a trait that has to do with greater, yes, I want that. Tell me that, because I want that trait. I know many of you are thinking, 45% Nigerian? Well, Pastor Andy, where all this light skin come from and all this curly hair? And this is my hair. This is not a kit. This is just natural juices and berries. And so I know you're wondering where all that come from. I'll tell you. Because the next greatest part of me was 40%. And I'm 40% Anglo-Saxon, England and Ireland. Hi, brother. Hey, Uncle Paul. Here I am, Elder Clark, swearing up and down. I'm all kinds of all and find out that me and Jesse are closer than I thought we were. Married these black women, bruh, I'm a witch. <laughs> so there's some stuff in me from the Nigerians, and I don't know how you feel about white people, and I don't know I know how I feel about them, but I can only be but so mad at white people yeah. since there's 40% of it right in me. And maybe I'm mad at myself. What I'm saying to you is there are traits that come from your ancestry. Powers, powers, powers. When I look at Abraham, I see powers. I see five of them. And I took a whole long time to get here, and I got seven minutes left. But, but, I, but it, it's good, it's good, it's good. I'm sorry. I like this sermon, and I, I'm the one that preaches to me, so this is good. And so, so powers, five powers that I see in Abraham. Since I can't inherit any of his stuff, I might as well inherit his traits. And I might as well say, well, this trait's in Abraham. And since I can't get his land, I'll inherit this trait. I see these five traits when I look at his story. I gave them to you last week. I'll give them to you again. The first trait, number one, is movement. The power of movement. And it's not just the power of movement, beloved. It's the power to move from increase to decrease to increase. Hear me. It's a key to success. Part of the reason why some people are not successful and why some people don't have, really have money and they can't be successful in business and they can't make a lot of money is because if they're making 100, they can't step down and make 60 with the possibility of making 250. They build a life based on the 100, and if an opportunity comes for them to decrease and maybe do something that's lower for a period of time with the potential possibility of going through a process to get higher. They can't do that. They get to that level, and then they can't go down. They get stuck there. They climb a mountain. When you get to the top of that mountain, you see mountains that you did not see. You think $100,000 is a lot of money until you get it. I need a witness in here. You can remember when you made 30 and you were like, if I just make $60,000, I'll be so happy. You got $60,000 and that money was gone. You realize 6000 dollars ain't no money. And you thought if I could just give me 120,000. And as soon as you got that 120, you wondered, "Where? You wondered, how did you live on 30? When you can't make it on 120." I need a witness in here. And so, you climb a mountain. Most people climb a mountain. And when they get to the top of that mountain, they see other mountains that are higher. But the problem is you can't stop. You can't step from the top of one mountain to the top of another mountain. You're going to have to go down the mountain you're on. You may have to walk through a valley for a little bit. Let me just speak to everybody who may find themselves in a the valley right now. Just because you in the valley don't mean you ain't on your way up. Just because I'm in the valley right now don't mean that I wasn't at a high place before. I was at a high place before, but I came down to go higher. I actually had the faith and the courage to move from a place that was good. Ur of the Chaldees. That was city. That was courtyards. That was houses. Abraham left good living to go live in a tent. He left a place that didn't belong to him so that he'd rather have less and it be his than have more that belongs to somebody else. I'm going to speak that right now over every one of us in the name of Jesus. It would be better for you to have 4,000 square feet of a raggedy house that you own than 2,000 square feet of a house that you rent. No, I'm going to say that one more time. For you and me and all this other generation to just want to live in all these little high rises, well, they got tennis courts, well, they have washing machines, well, they have a workout space. And yeah, but how much are you paying for that 1,200 square feet of space? 1,800, so you're paying $1,800 for 1,200 square feet of space. It would be better for you, sweetheart, to take your $1,800 and go get you 3,000 square feet of house somewhere and fix it up. Don't be so moved. By the perfection that you don't realize it'd be better to be in a tent with your inheritance than be in her written yeah. This is a word right here. This is a word, son. This is a word we all need to hear because especially us, especially black folk, especially us, there's something about us. We like things. And if it's shiny, we get happy. We want to live high. We want everybody to know we got money. We're surrounded by millionaires that don't look like they got money. But we got to shine. And it's not even really our fault because... We were denied land. We were denied access to stuff, and so the stuff we could get That's why that dude cares about his car so much and living in an apartment. It ain't because he don't want a house. It's because the system was against him to get a house. And so he did really well with his car, but I would contend that a man who washes his car every week will cut his grass every week. If the system is fair enough, let me move on because I have left from preaching and gone down into meddling. My point is, is that... Abraham had the courage to move from something high to something less. I wonder if I have a witness in the room that can wave and say, Pastor Andy, I know exactly what that feels like. I have been there. Sometimes I did it by choice. Sometimes they made me do it. They laid me off. They fired me. They let me go. They showed me they didn't care about me. And it forced me to care about myself and actually do my dream and do my thing. I resonate with this because it's what I did. And one of the challenges of the world we live in is we only see people in their glory. Court, we don't. Court, we don't tell our story. We don't. We don't tell how we got here. They only see us here. People only see me on this stage with these sneakers and this watch. And you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. And you don't know like I know what I went through to get to this place. Cause I don't tell the story. I don't tell you that I was in Boston. My daddy had a big church in Boston. I was a senior associate. I bought 25 acres of land there. It's very interesting that we own 25 acres of land here because I, I bought 25 acres of land for the church there. I had a vision there. I had a plan there. I was preaching on Sundays there. I had a house there. I was making six figures there. I was doing well there. I owned property there. I owned real estate property there. I own real estate property that right now is worth millions of dollars. I left it at the time it wasn't because we're talking about wasn't worth millions. Now somebody said to me, Oh, do you know how much that a house is worth now? And I said, I know and I don't want to know because I want to be able to sleep tonight. But I I walked away from my plan, chasing the will of God from my life, chasing the purpose of God in my life. I moved to a place I did not know. I didn't know none of y'all. Did none of y'all know me? I had never been to North Carolina. I'm not from here. I didn't go to Duke. I didn't go to Carolina. I wasn't in the military. No, God told me to come to North Carolina. And I left my home and my house. I sold. I lost money. When I got here, I took a job teaching at Neil Middle School, making $30,000 dollars a year teaching kids that didn't even want to learn and driving a Holtie, don't tell me that I'm balling now and you don't know what I went through to get here. <laughs> Step down on faith. I bet on myself. I took a risk and believed that the God I served was able to deliver me and he would use me and I didn't know nobody here and didn't nobody know me here. And people told me, I can't believe you came to Durham to start a church. You can't have no big church in Durham. And I said, you can't have no big church in Durham because you think like that. But you better watch me and see what God's about to do. Because the God I serve is able. I need a witness in the building. In five years, I had 5,000 people. People didn't like me, and they don't got to like me because folk won't like you if you ever decide to bet on God. and you ever decide to put your trust in him? People going to be mad at you. God turned my darkness into day. I worked at that school at the end of the first year. The principal said to me, you coming back? The end of the summer, he said, You're coming back? I said, Well, <laughs> you know, my church is starting to get going, and you know, if I have 300 people by the end of this first year, then I won't be able to come back. He said, See you next year. Yeah. No, you ain't got to, ooh, because I was like, Yeah, save my spot. <laughs> because more than 300 people in one year, that's pretty crazy. But at the end of that year, Elder Clark, you were there. I had more than 300 people. And I went down and I said to him, hey, I said, listen, I'm not going to be able to come back. He said, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, I, I can't come back. He said, you mean to tell me that at the end of one year you have more than 350 people? See, you don't know anybody else's decreased story until they tell you how they were at a high place. I need a witness. And then they came down and they went through a low place and they walked through the valley for a little bit. And they were worried and they were scared and they were concerned. And wasn't nobody coming to the church. But you believed. I believe. It's hard to be successful if you can't make this kind of movement. You got to be careful not getting too hung up on what they pay you right now and building too much of a life based on what they pay you right now because if you build too much of a life based on what you're being paid now, you may stop yourself from being able to decrease to increase. The Bible says that Abraham, when called to leave home, family, what he was familiar with, stuff around him that he knew, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. This is another aspect of it and I'm going to say this and I'll just be done because I'm out of time but this is good. I'll pick it up next week but one of the other challenges of walking with God is he don't always tell you where you're going. Can I get a witness in the building? Can I get a witness online? He don't always tell you. He'll say, I'm going to take you to a place where I'm going to show you. And if you want all the details, you won't go. If you want all, he's not going to tell you everything at the end. Sometimes you just end up packing up and saying, well, where are we going, Lord? And you don't know how it's going to happen. You don't know how you're going to make it. You don't know how it's going to take place. If you can't walk in a certain amount of ignorance and blindness, you can't walk with God. Because God isn't going to tell you everything. And I hope and pray that you had parents and a mama like mine who trained you for this. Because I had a mama who didn't answer all my questions. I had parents that said, stay out of grown folks' business. I wish I had a witness in the building. Stop sitting here staring down my throat while I'm talking on the phone. Ain't nobody talking to you. This is grown folk talk. And now you asking questions. When are we going to get there? And if you ask it more than once, they'll look at you like you about to get popped. Don't ask me again when we're going to get there. We get there when we get there. Because they weren't on your schedule. You were on theirs. Anybody have parents like that? If you ask, can we go there? They'd say, we'll see. We'll see means if it fits in my schedule, if I'm not tired, if my bunions ain't hurting me, and if I have gas in the car, I might take you. Ain't nobody making no promises to you. Now, we want to get down at eye level and give five-year-old people full explanations that they can't understand. Just get it, you will have a hard time walking with God and you'll set that baby up to have a hard time walking with God if you can't tell them, don't worry about where we're going. Don't worry about when we're going to get home. I was around somebody and some little three-year-old said, I'm ready to go. I looked over there. You are ready to go. Excuse me, little girl. Ain't nobody on your timeline. Don't nobody care what your schedule is. You will go when they're ready for you. I cussed her out so, no, I didn't cuss her out. But I fussed at that little girl so bad right in front of her parents. I said, you're ready to go, little girl. Don't nobody care when you're ready to do nothing. <laughs> you three. Three. Know your place, mind your business. Sit down over there and be glad you got some juice in your cup and not water. You are ready to go. The devil is a liar. I wish I had a witness. Some of y'all, your mama would have knocked you out if you told her, I'm ready to go. You fell asleep in the back of the church, your mama up in the, ta- in the front, talking to everybody, talking to Sister Linda. Talking to, if you ever walked down and said, Mom, I'm ready to go, you'd have woke up in the hospital anyway. What I'm saying is, it's just no walking with God. He ain't telling you everything. You ever talk to these people who God just tells them everything? See, God told me. God told me. God told me that you were going to say that to me. Oh, He did then why don't you have an answer? God don't tell you everything. He said to Abraham, I'm going to take you to a place I'm going to show you. He said to Abraham, you know what? Take your son Isaac and sacrifice him on a mountain I'll show you. I don't think we understand how crazy that is. There's no 7-Elevens. They got, he goes to the servants and say, we're getting ready to go on a trip to do some sacrificing. They say, how long are we going to be gone? He said, I don't know. Where are we going? He said, I don't know. God will show me when we get there. He went to Sarah. He said, hey, Sarah. I'm getting ready to go on a trip taking Isaac. She said, that's my baby. Where are you taking my baby? He said, I don't know. She said, what you mean you don't know where you are taking my son? Where is my my son going to be? He said, me and the boy are going to go worship and we'll come back. She said, when? He said, I don't know. Because he was looking for where God was going to show him because God was requiring that he do something hard. But God knew which mountain had the ram stuck in the thicket on it. (laughs) And so he couldn't know till he got there. Movement. The power to move. It's not just the power to move. It's the power to move. Do you not know where you're not sure where you're going? But a key to success in life is being able to trust God, not give way to fear. Step on out and believe that he's got something greater for you. It's a trait that we have to inherit from Abraham. It's movement. Put your hands together if you heard a word from the Lord. Hallelujah. Can I pray for you really quickly before you before we take up the second offer? Let me pray. Lord, I just pray that we would receive the blessings of Abraham, that they'll come to the Gentiles by faith. I pray, Lord God, that by faith we'll receive the promise of the Spirit. God, we can't receive, we can't inherit Abraham's things, but we can inherit this trait. And God, we pray that this trait, this courage, to come down from our mountains, walk through our valleys, and to live in a place that is our inheritance. God, I pray that you'd fill us full of that courage. God, I pray that you'd give us wisdom. God, I pray that you would empower us in the room and literally around the world, that, God, we would walk by faith and not by sight and that we would have the faith of Abraham the faith that calls those things that be not as though they were we surrender our lives to your will for us we are of the seed of Abraham we have faith we are of the seed of Abraham and so God we pray that Abraham's blessings will be so Real in our lives that people will notice it and will praise you. What you do, what you say, you're worthy in Jesus' name. We all sit together, amen. Can I get you to give really quickly? If you can just, we were doing this building fund offering, and I know if you know me, and for years and years and years, we didn't take up a second offering, but we are on our way to this victory park. We're about to break ground in about, um, and, and by the September, October, we're supposed to break ground. And uh, it's about three, two and a half miles from here. We've got about 25 acres. And we're about to build this building. And it's going to be something really special. We're going to have a sanctuary in there that's going to be about this size. And uh, and then there's going to be basketball courts and this space for children. There's going to be a cafe in there and uh, this big children's play space thing. And uh, it's going to be something that's going to not only be our final home for our church and we're going to have a state-of-the-art uh, worship center there, but also it's going to be able to impact the community and it's going to generate its own income. And, uh, and so we have been sowing and giving and, uh, and so I'm, I'm just I'm inviting you to give and giving you an opportunity to sow into the work of the kingdom of God. And uh, because you can't beat God giving and a part of the way that your life has meaning is that you sacrifice to something greater than yourself. You Take a picture of that. If you're watching live around the world, take a picture of that. You know, that little QR code take you right to all of the ways in which you can give on the app, Bruzel, all the ways that you can give to the work of the kingdom of God. And, uh, and you can be faithful, not just in your tithes, but in your offerings. Above and beyond what you give in your tithe, but we give an offering to the house of God. And then we expect a blessing to happen as a result of it. And it's sowing seed into the work of the kingdom of God. And if you're giving my way a check, you can make a check paper to WOCC. You're watching around the world. Some of you, can, you, you're about to give the biggest gift that you can give. Thank you. Everything that you're giving is going to our building fund. It's not coming to me. And uh, at some point, you make a decision to sow your seed, not just eat it. My sons and I, we had this great conversation I told you about. It. We had a great conversation. and We just hugged and every, we all straightened, apologized to each other. and We're all good. And then we started to have a conversation about whether or not they're going to eat the seed I give them or sow the seed that I give them. Because in your immaturity, you just want to eat your seed. Everything you get, you just want to eat it. But when maturity hits you, you start looking at that seed and you start thinking to yourself, what would happen with this if I sowed it? What would happen with this if I invested it? What would happen with this if instead of me spending it on me, I put it into something that turned into something? I told my sons, I I don't want you guys to go to college so you can get a job. I want you to go to college so you can expand and grow so we can do business. I don't care about you getting a job. I, I wanted you to go to school so you can expand your mind and go through a process So that we can do business together, so that the seed I give you won't just be something you eat, but it'll be something that you decide, ooh, let's sow that and let's turn it into something more. That's a part of what we're doing in church. We get a chance to practice it. Shouldn't be hard for us to practice it in the world since we practice it in church. Right now we're all coming together, we give 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80,000, a million, you give a million. You give in this offering, and you're deciding to sow into something and not just eat it. And God promises, hey, if you do that, if you sow into the kingdom, if you seek it first, I promise you everything else will be added unto you as well. In this room and around the world, we can give to the work of the kingdom of God. Come on, let's pray, Lord, thank you. For this opportunity that we have to give thank you for this opportunity that we have to sow we ask you to bless both gift and giver in the name of Jesus we pray lord god that you will take this offering and multiply it supernaturally to the upbuilding of your kingdom lord you know the price of steel you know the price of concrete you know the price of of glass you all you know all the stuff that's going on and lord god you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ever ask or think and so god we're praying for money to come and lord i'm praying that you'll bless your people I'm praying that the people in the room will be so blessed that they'll be tired of hearing me talk about this and just and be so blessed and so rich that they just give me the money so that we can do this just to shut me up. God, I pray that the folk watching around the world will be so blessed, so supernaturally, so exponentially that they can be a blessing and just to serve the kingdom, just to bless the kingdom. Just so that the preachers don't gotta beg for stuff. Lord, that you will bless them so much that it'll be easy for them to sow and easy for them to give. Thank you for that. Thank you that Abraham's blessings belong to us, and I pray, Lord God, that that trait would fall on us, the trait of generosity, and we'll praise you for what you do, for what you say, for what you make of us. God, you're worthy. In Jesus' name, we pray. We all sit together. God bless you as you give. Just let the bucket pass you and we'll be dismissed. And thank you so much for coming to worship with us in church. And you're watching live stream around the world. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Appreciate your faithfulness, your consistency, and your giving to the work of the kingdom of God. And uh, all that takes place in this room, these spaces, happen as a result of people in their faithfulness and their generosity. And. Um, we appreciate your consistency to give to the work of the kingdom of God. We're praying and believing God's best in your life. Hallelujah. So many things are happening with us here at World of Commerce. There's always something in the bulletin. There's always something to talk about. I saw the, the announcement for end of year revival and all of the things that are taking place. We're just determined that you'll hear not just one voice and that you will be encouraged to believe God for the great things that he can do in your life. Hallelujah. Jump on your feet real quick. And let's be dismissed. Lord, we just want to thank you. Praise you. We ask you to dismiss us from this place up from your presence. For everyone that's watching around the world, God, dismiss us as we turn our, our stuff off, our, our machines off. God, as we're about to leave from this place, we pray that you would Use us for your glory. Bring us back here next Sunday. We're talking about Abraham right now and his traits and the blessings that belong to us. And we're believing for greater and bigger and more. Our faith says it's already done. God, we ask you to bless your people. Make your face shine upon your people. Be gracious to your people and give them peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. God bless you. Greet somebody in the name of the Lord. Thanks for coming to church today. Thanks for tuning in with us today.
0: God bless you. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast for more information on W O C C and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.